Hi, this is Jerry DiPiano, and I'm here with Dr. Deborah Saltman, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today's podcast is focusing on what we call the top offenders. What do we mean by top offenders? Deb, perhaps you'd like to share what we call top offenders. Thanks, Jerry, and it's nice to talk with you again. Uh, today it's an unusual topic, but I think it's a really important one. The top offenders are some of the medicinal products that we use as women that can cause problems that we don't expect. They're hidden offenses like dryness. Now we know a lot about dryness. We know a lot about dry eyes. We know a lot about dry mouth, dry nose, and particularly here in Mia Vita and Fempharma, we know about dry vagina and vulvas. But knowing about them is not the same as understanding some of the different causes that they can be due to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So some of the top offenders are really um, offenders that your healthcare practitioner being very well-intentioned may be prescribing for you, and it certainly is helping you in lots of different ways. Could be the A to Z of different prescription products that have all been recommended to you for a variety of reasons, but perhaps your physician is thinking about the upstairs and not necessarily the downstairs. And as women, we need to be thinking about both. It's not to say that we stop using a particular medication, but it really is thinking about how that impacts our vaginas, our vulvas, our bladders, our bowels. And those are the, the sorts of things that if our healthcare practitioner is not thinking upstairs, we, we perhaps wanna ask about the downstairs and the impact that is having below the belt. Absolutely, Jerry, because not all problems that are upstairs problems have downstairs solutions. For example, if we have heart problems and we are on a medication that is called a diuretic, which makes us get rid of a lot of fluid, excess fluid, if we have high blood pressure, the diuretic drains the fluid from everywhere. And the doctor might tell you, or your healthcare practitioner might tell you about a dry mouth or dry eyes or dry nose, but they may not say, hey, wait a minute, you're also gonna get a dry vulva and a dry vagina. So that when you have the problem you know, with sex, it's not because you're in the menopause, it's not because you're not fully lubricated, it's not because you don't have a good relationship with your partner, it's not because your partner's medical problems, it's because a very important medication that you're taking for your, what I call whole body health, has an effect in the vagina that isn't mentioned to you. And, and it quite often isn't mentioned because upstairs doctors are, are very, very um, concerned with upstairs problems. And by the way, there are at least 50 upstairs medications. I call them upstairs because they're not specifically related to below the belt. But there are at least about 50 upstairs medications that can cause a dry vagina. Any downstairs implications for this? So there's a, there, one that, that comes to mind um, as a person who suffers from allergies is antihistamines or anti-allergy medications. And I remember when I first started using one of the anti-allergy medications, and I, I noticed that um, it was working really well. And I was so grateful because otherwise I was sneezing and coughing. Um, I had post-nasal drip. But the thing that I didn't appreciate was I would wake up every morning and I felt as though I had cotton mouth. And I'm I'm wondering if that other, you know, the my downstairs concern 
should have been addressed as well. But clearly I had, I had dry mouth. Now, again, I'm not going to discontinue using my anti-allergy medication, but is there evidence that anti-allergy medications may cause dryness down below? Absolutely. I mean, the body is one organism and if dryness happens in one place, it's probably going to happen in a lot of places where you have a secretion activity and your eyes secrete tears and your nose secretes mucus and moisture as your mouth does. And, and, and of course, your vagina secretes beautiful vaginal secretions to keep you moist and they can get decreased. And, you know, it's, I'm not surprised because if you go to your, you know, spring's coming and if you go to your pulmonologist or your allergist and you say, I've got a runny nose and they said, well, it's time to start your nose medications, your antihistamines again. Well, are they going to say, and by the way, I think you need to use a gel for your vagina at the same time. I mean, you think, gosh, why is that doctor talking to me about downstairs? I've got my OBGYN for that. I don't want to discuss this here. What is happening here? So it's in as much opening the door to have these discussions, particularly, as I said, with allergy season coming. And, and we've talked about cardiologists and we've talked about pulmonologists. But, Jerry, you know, it's the downstairs problem too, you know, downstairs doctors, you know, about them. Yes, absolutely. So in, in terms of the downstairs doctors, we know that many times these issues are not raised. So we have our visit with a gynecologist, they do their examination. In some cases, it's fairly obvious that there is a downstairs problem and the downstairs problem may include vulvar and vaginal dryness. But oftentimes the questions are not asked of women who are visiting. The obvious part comes during a physical examination when you can find bits of tissue that adhere to the mucous membranes or the mucosal surface of the vulva and the vagina. So that's a pretty obvious one, but not always. So it, it may be that during the physical examination, it's not obvious that a woman has those concerns. And if the downstairs doctor is not asking the question and women are too embarrassed to talk about it, that goes unnoticed, unchecked, and then the symptoms continue to persist and they become worse. And that's absolutely right. And the other thing, I mean, we shouldn't sell our OBGYNs short because they are the only doctors that talk to us about anything below absolutely. the pubic hairline. And they're very keen to discuss that. And they know that a lot of women have problems perimenopausally or after having children or when they've had gynecological surgery or cancer. And they, and they understand vaginal dryness, but they understand vaginal dryness from a reproductive point of view, from a decrease in hormones. So they are very interested in making sure that we have the right hormones, but they probably don't ask the question about, are you on any other medications that might give you dryness? And, you know, there are a lot of them. And I must admit, there are some downstairs ones too, like a lot of the drugs that are used to control overactive bladder. They can give you dryness as well, which is kind of strange, isn't it? Absolutely spot on as far as the gynecologists and the OB-GYNs are concerned, because thank, thankfully, they are the primary care practitioners for most women, right? So you go into your OBGYN or your gynecologist, and you've built a relationship over time, and they are caring, and they are specially, I would call them specially designed for women. So we're, we're uber grateful to them for all the things that they do for women. And by the way, 
as a specialty, we know that that specialty, unfortunately, has receded over the years. So it, it, at a time, there were over 40,000 OBGYNs in the United States, and that's receded because it is a very difficult practice, delivering babies and looking after the gynecologic health of women and thinking about them as a primary care practitioner for women really makes them pretty special in women's health care. So absolutely spot on. But you're, you're also correct in the sense that if we don't report to the gynecologist that we are using other medications, because it may be a medication that our, pri our primary care practitioner, whether it's an internist, I am a direct a doctor of osteopathy, if we don't report what we're being treated with, we may miss the opportunity to have the impact fully assessed by, this, by our gynecologist or OBGYN. So it's important for us to be clear about what we may be taking to address other problems that are above the belt. Yeah, well, it's really interesting that polypharmacy is one of the main causes for admissions to hospital and readmissions to hospital. So, and it's partly, it's partly my profession is partly in the process, not to blame, but the focus we have, because the clinical profession first goes for diagnosis and then treatment. So your clinicians are always going to be much more important to work out what the anatomical or the psychological cause of your dryness is, as opposed to the treatment cause. So they may not get around to thinking it's a treatment cause. They may get caught up on an anatomical cause or a psychological cause. So you might need to lead them down the pathway saying, hey, could this be because of some of those important drugs that I'm taking? And, and the important with that thing with that is simply, not to treat simple side effects with a sledgehammer. You know, these drugs that we're on quite often are life-saving and we shouldn't take them lightly and we shouldn't get off them lightly. Really, there is a simple solution and quite often the simple solution is the best, like a moisturiser, which is not absorbed, which can decrease the vaginal dryness that is caused by some important medications that we use. You, you also think about... I will call the tyranny of the urgent, right? So you're diagnosed with a particular issue and perhaps you're seeing a specialist. That specialist could be a rheumatologist. You mentioned cardiologist. It could be a psychiatrist. And you're focused primarily on finding a resolution or a, a, a solution to that particular issue, whether it's um, Sjogren's or it's depression or it's overactive bladder. So you're primarily focused on that. And that takes center stage for you. But there are the host of other side effects that we've, we've talked about briefly. And because they may not be the urgent symptom or the urgent cause of the problem, we don't spend as much time on them. And then we ne don't necessarily wanna add one more prescription drug to the mix because there are drug-drug interactions. So that brings on a whole host of other issues. So thinking about taking the least harmful approach is really an important one as we, as, and we as women ought to be looking at finding different ways to approach symptom relief, not necessarily by adding one more prescription product to the armamentarium, but as you put it, not, take, not taking a sledgehammer to this really looking at generally regarded as safe ingredients. And 
after all, it's just an extension of what we think about of all the side effects. We try to minimise side effects and we try to take the approach of do no harm and rather not add another drug which can compound side effects when we're thinking about dealing with Really good point. You know, I had never really thought about that in that context, but because I do see a dermatologist, my dermatologist happens to be a male and great, great physician um, and has really been helpful, but I'm not sure. In fact, I can, I, I shouldn't say I'm not sure. I'm very sure that I would not, that I won't discuss problems with him below the belt, even though something that he is recommending may cause the problem. And, and that's, that's my own shortcoming, right? So I should, I should probably be more in tune to some of his insecurities about asking the question. So, Mrs. DiPiano, are we having any problems below the belt? <laughs> it really is up to me to say, you know, that whatever medication you prescribed has produced some other interesting side effects and yeah. that may be that may open up the conversation without having him feel uncomfortable and putting him in the position where he says, wait a minute, I think that's a problem that you need to be discussing with your gynecologist. Or he says, one minute runs out the door and grabs his nurse and says, I think I was just asked to examine some woman's vagina and vulva. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It's pretty tricky. It's a really kind of tricky situation of getting getting the permission or even having the permission to discuss that. And, you know, Jerry, that's why a lot of women come to our website and listen to our podcasts, because they find that the solutions are simple ones and they can find them on the web in e-commerce as opposed to talking with their doctors. And that's one of the things we can offer, helping women find moisturizing solutions that they don't have to get a prescription for. The important thing as well is not to be confused that when the doctor gives you a medication that the disease is causing the problem. Like if you have allergy, oh, I don't feel I don't feel very good down there, but that's because I'm blowing my nose all the time and I've got a headache for my sinuses and it's just the whole body's not feeling good. Well, that's not the case. The case is you may have dryness or oh, docs put me on this medication because I have to lose weight and I've got high blood pressure and, and I'm just, it must be all these worries about the blood pressure and losing weight and I wee all the time. That's why I'm sore down there. Well, it may not be why you're sore down there. It may be that the medications are actually making you dry. And as we get the seasonal changes, it's going to happen a lot more. So we, when we talk about top offenders um, to consider when we, we think about dryness and dryness below the belt. We've talked about anti-allergy medications. The bladder medications, which are sometimes called anticholinergics, can be um, administered orally. Sometimes they come in the form of a patch, also known as transdermal, and they do cause dryness and, and we should be mindful of those. So there, we've, we've covered two of the A's. And then we think about antidepressants and antidepressants are on the offender list. Again, not to discourage women from not from using antidepressants because they, they help with relief of symptoms of depression, which is a very significant issue for women. Two thirds of depressed patients happen to be women. So we're not suggesting by any means that women should not follow the instructions of their healthcare practitioner. And just as a 
I wouldn't say as a footnote, as a headliner, nothing on this podcast is meant to replace the advice of your healthcare practitioner. You should always consult your healthcare practitioner and they are the individual that know your particular situation best. But we have to work as partners with our healthcare practitioners. They can't have all the answers unless you share information with them. That's so true. And, and that's important in the whole process. And, and if you find un, you're uncomfortable sharing information, you might want to have a little think about the relationship you're having with your healthcare provider. Because the relationship, it's, it, it's, sometimes it starts out really well and it goes, there's a fork in the road and it doesn't do as well. And then you have to see how to remedy it or improve it or seek another provider or, or get some help. You know, there are now a lot of patient advocates around who you can get help if you can't bring those topics up with your health provider yourself. Uh, so you can get someone to help you, you know, and these areas, which are sen sensitive for lots of reasons, vulva and vagina, you mightn't want a family member to be the person to come with you and help you talk about them because they're, that's kind of a, a, a breach of very personal information. So you might want an advocate to help you. So it's not an easy thing to talk about. We've opened up the discussion and we hope lots of you will have a think about it and have a look at your medications and have a talk to your doctors next time and say, are any of these the reason why I have dryness in my vulva and vagina? Could this be the reason why I've got sexual difficulties? And, and sometimes it is the disease as well, like depression can cause it, cardiac conditions are related, quite often related to depression. So it may be the cardiac condition and the depression together might make you dry. So there's a two lots of medication. So it's quite a complex kind of thing. But if you are suffering, it's really important to get the root cause of your suffering right and to get the treatment as simple as it possibly can, not to compound your problems. I think that's the message that we want to share with our audience. It, it may be something as simple as adding a moisturizer to your regimen and doing that on a daily basis, but have a consult with your healthcare practitioner. Provide as much information as you possibly can. If your healthcare practitioner is focused above the belt, the upstairs physician, and they are not asking you questions, they, they, can't, they cannot be mind readers. So we need to, we as women need to be able to be forthcoming about what's going, going on downstairs. And if you're seeing the downstairs healthcare practitioner, the gynecologist, he or she is also not a mind reader. If you're experiencing these problems and you're only seeing your gynecologist once per year, or once every six months, they need information from you. The bottom line is the bottom line. And that is, we have to understand that it may not be your disease or disorder, it may be what you're using to ameliorate the symptoms of your disease or disorder that are causing these problems, but they can be addressed and they can be addressed simply. Yep, Jerry, it's a good message and I'm pleased to share some of the information with you. Thank you, Deb. As always, it's a pleasure. And we hope that our listening audience also finds it informative. Stay tuned for part two of the offender list where we'll discuss the next series of classes of product that may impact your vaginal and vulvar health. 
But for now, we want to thank you, stay well, and remember to love Mia Vita. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you.